0: Friends, so much we could um, focus in on and learn from in this famous uh, parable. It's often called the parable of the prodigal son, the tale of two brothers, parable of the loving father. Um, I want to kind of zero in on one element of each of these three important characters in the story. So I want to talk about the, the recklessness of the father, the hopelessness of the younger son, and the bitterness of uh, the older brother. So first, the recklessness of the father. There's a famous uh, contemporary Christian song that you might know called Reckless Love. And it actually draws mainly actually on the parable, the short parable it tells right before this, right? The, the willingness to leave the 99 for the one. And so it speaks of the recklessness of God. And recklessness here is not meant to be a derogatory, like an irrational uh, kind of love. It just means that it's not calculated, right? It's not calculated because it actually makes no sense to leave the 99 for the 1, right? It's foolish. Like, if you leave the 99 for the 1, you're surely going to lose a lot more of the 99, right? So it's, it's, you know, in terms of statistics, it's not a very calculating move, right? But it's the kind of love that a parent has. And I might have told this story before, but when I was a young, rambun- rambunctious little child, uh, when department stores were kind of in, uh, I used to hide in the middle of those uh, those circular clothing racks, you know, like at Macy's or J.C. And I'd hide in there. And, you know, eventually I'd come out because I'd get scared. But one time I said, I'm going to stay in here long. And I stayed in there, and my mom kept shopping with my uh, two of my other siblings but eventually, enough time passed, she realized I wasn't there. And as she tells the story, she was right by one of the uh, cash registers. When she realized she hadn't seen me in 10, 15 minutes, she, she threw my brother and sister at a stranger cashier, said, take them. right," And she, she ran off uh, to come and find me. right? Again, kind of, kind of foolish. Like, what if, what if she came back and those two were gone? me, but then she lost two. it's like, but that never occurred to her, right? That was the impulse of a parent, right? The impulse of a parent is to just seek out the lost child, right? It's it's not, it's not, you're not calculating in the sense of, oh my gosh, what if in, in pursuing this lost one, I lose the others? That's just not how you think, right? You just, it's the, it's just the, the act of pursuing the lost, that's what I think we, we mean when we say the recklessness of the father, right? He's, he's just waiting, longing to find the lost one, right? And I know many parents have gone through this, like with, with a child that's in the throes of addiction, for example. Or their children have completely abandoned the faith, and that pains them, right? And they just, they long for that reunification uh, with their children, sometime re- sometimes recklessly, like they do reckless things, right? Because their impulse as a parent is just to, to seek after the one uh, that is lost. I think that's how God loves us. It's not with a calculating kind of love, right? He just pursues us, right, as if we're lost because, of course, we are at times, and he simply uh, pursues us. I want to talk about the hopelessness of the younger son. We tend to focus in this story on the son's return. But I like to, at least this week, my attention was drawn to what it took to get him to return. And it was a, a deep sense of his hopelessness without the connection to his family. Right? And in a deeper spiritual sense, his hopelessness without an eternal inheritance. He tried the earthly inheritance route and he realized the complete inadequacy and inability of the things of this world to fulfill the deepest longings of the human heart, right? He went out seeking something to substitute, right, for what he thought was the boredom and mediocrity of living in the family. But what he had to come to was a sense of his own hopelessness, his own emptiness, his own need without being connected to the family. His own need without knowing God. And he had a deep sense of feeling undeserving of the Father's reconciliation. He didn't think he warranted it. He didn't think he merited the return. And I think spiritually we have to feel that. The second reading said, um, Jesus came to save sinners. That's what he came to save. And so unless we're aware of our own hopelessness without him, the inadequacy of this world to ultimately satisfy us, we will never turn to divine grace in the way that we need to. Jesus says that, you know, the, the healthy person doesn't need a doctor. The sick person does. Only the spiritually sick need Jesus. And that's why it took the younger son coming to the point that he realized he was spiritually sick. That he was cut off from the very things that gave him an orientation and a purpose in life, in his family. He was cut off from that. He needed to return. And it's really interesting, as much as I want to talk about the recklessness of the father, the father did not go to the distant country to get him. Right? It took the younger son turning around That's the act of conversion. That's the act of repentance. It took the younger son turning around and going back to the father. The father does not pursue him all the way to the distant country. He, he, He knows he has to elicit from the younger son his own transformation, his own sense of need and hopelessness to be able to return home. And then when he sees him in the distance on their property, you might say he can run after him and embrace him. And so the hopelessness, the sense of need uh, that 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 brings about the son's uh, change of heart. Finally, the bitterness of the older brother. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I've always thought a couple things about what grounds his bitterness. One, I think, is just like uh, FOMO. Right? We're talking about FOMO today, the fear of missing out. I think part of it is he he kind of is jealous that his younger brother got to experience all these things about life, right, that he didn't get to experience, right, he's just been, you know, slaving away on the farm, and his his brother gets to go out and experience the world, and he's got a little bit of FOMO and jealousy about that, but he's also just bitter about the gratuitousness of of his father, that his father just welcomes him back with open arms, he's mad about that, right, I was thinking about, I was uh, watching a recent interview with Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, the famous uh, NBA star, and he is notorious as like the biggest tipper in the world. And when he's out at a restaurant, he actually asked the waiter or waitress, what do you want for your tip? And he was explaining that one waitress had known this about him, so she said, a thousand bucks. And he handed over a thousand in cash uh, to her on the spot. Now, he's got some disposable income, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. But I was thinking, like, if I were at that table, I think I would have said, hey Shaq, she she didn't, she doesn't deserve that. Like she forgot the lemon in my water. I mean, like the, the steak, the steak wasn't cooked properly. Like I, that's the cook's fault. But she was a little slow on things. Like, she definitely doesn't deserve that tip. And Shaq would be like, it's my money. Like I'm just in a giving mood. Like I'm just gonna give her the money. Like, and I would just be like, no, she doesn't deserve that. He's like, it's my money. That's that's how I feel like we get, like the older brother. They don't deserve that. And God's like, "Uh, this is my divine life to give, not yours. You don't get to determine. You don't get to put a stranglehold and a a chokehold on my generosity. I get to give gratuitously how I want to give. You don't get to determine who's deserving and not deserving. Right? That's my work. That's, that's, I just exude mercy and love from my very being. I can't turn that off. Might be like Shaq, might be like, I can't even turn this off. I'm just so generous. I can't turn this off it's who I am. And we nitpick. We say, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve this. That's, that's the older brother's problem. Right? He, wants to, he wants to determine the level of gratuity and generosity of the father. And the Father just says, this is my son. Of course I'm going to throw him this party. Of course I'm going to let him return uh, as he was. And so, um, friends, I I just, uh, that was my reflection this week on these three incredible characters put before us for our own spiritual life. um, To embrace the generosity of the Father, the recklessness of the Father. Not an irrational kind of love, but a love that's just always... um, exuding generosity, seeking out the loss, right? The kind of parental love that doesn't really weigh statistics or probabilities when loving, just loves. It's not a tit for tat. It's not a quid pro quo. It's just like, that's, that's just what I do. I just love, right? To embrace the hopelessness of the younger son and to know that we too are in that abandoned place at times where we need to turn around. We need to recognize our need before God. And the inadequacy of the world to completely satisfy uh, us in our totality. And then finally, uh, to avoid the temptations, the bitterness of the older brother. uh, To avoid a kind of FOMO, right? Which is generally not particularly helpful in life. um, uh, And also to avoid this kind of uh, stifling of God's mercy. and, And us determining who deserves divine blessings. We leave that up to God. So let's uh, pray with those characters uh, this week uh, so that it might uh, influence our own relationship.